everybody welcome welcome to the old man's podcast longtime listeners new listeners friends family welcome all of you do have some uh, new listeners I believe last episode of the old man's podcast hit almost 50 downloads which is kind of high I normally don't get that many listeners so I think we have some new people Welcome. Hope you came back. Hope this is your second time through. If you like stories, then you're going to be back again because that's what I'm doing with this podcast. I'm telling you stories. Stories that you already know about. Nothing earth-shaking here. Humorous stories. I hope they make you smile. That's what I'm shooting for. I hope that some of my stories, I guess you would say, are heartfelt warming stories, stories about you kids. A lot of you are my students or my former athletes and the memories I have. And I think that qualifies for heartfelt. I'm good for an anecdotal story every now and again. Always trying to push the limits and come up with a new look at society or humanity. That may help adjust our perspective on what we think about society. For you young people, no, this is not just an old people's podcast. Yes, it's made by an old man, but it's not for old people. In fact, it's more for the youngsters than anything. You guys got a lot to learn. I know you don't want some old guy harping on you, so I'm going to mix it in with stories. I'm telling you, folks, if you listen, you'll be uh, wide-eyed opened and maybe learn a little bit. So that's what I'm doing here. I know it's worth my time to produce it. And I'm happy that it's worth at least a few people's time to listen to it. Thank you for being here again. Coming up on this episode of the Old Man's Podcast, I'm going to talk about college football. We're in the week four now, and I've got a complaint. I'm going to pretty much complain about a lot of things if you're new to the podcast, but this one you might agree with. Communication. We're going to talk about clarity of communication. And I have a story about an old guy's baseball glove. I'm going to use a story about this old guy's baseball glove to express my observations on how life experience changes with age. This is pointed more towards the young people than the older people who we've had a lot of life experience. We've experienced then a lot of changes. Just Bear with me. I think you'll find this worth your time. And of course, we are definitely going to have a pep talk and we are going to play some trivia. All of that's coming up on this episode of the Old Man's Podcast. Well, what's on the old man's mind this week? It's Kind of like baseball, you know, we're in the playoffs. So my mind wanders back to the golden old age of baseball. And I was thinking about an important piece of baseball memorabilia that me and my son Nick had come into contact with, gosh, about 15 years ago, and how it becomes the foundation in my mind for thinking about how 
our life experiences change with age. And the result of that change that occurs as we grow older seems to be an ever-evolving perspective of the world around us. I think every parent can agree it's interesting watching your children grow up and observing the effects of life experience on them from birth through adulthood. It's a constant evolving, changing maturation process. When it's you, you don't really realize that it's happening until decades later and you look back on it. Of course, you have to have a few decades in before you can look back, but I think you get my point. With our own kids, it's kind of like a laboratory experiment, actually. You tweak this about how you raise them, and you watch what happens. You change that kind of stimuli, and you observe the change. It's kind of fun, if you like science, tweaking and changing and bringing in new stimuli and taking out the old, you know, like time out and things like that and see how it changes their life experience and their development. All that is really is, of course, maturation. It's perspectives, it's values, it's wants and even needs that change as we mature. So here's a story about my son that succinctly explains what I am talking about. So he was probably eight, nine, maybe 10 years old at the most. And we had been hosting a real popular baseball clinic at the local high school, Oakville High School. The clinicians all had major league baseball experience. And they ranged in age from guys currently in the major leagues to guys who had been retired major league baseball players from across all different backgrounds. Now, this is in St. Louis, and there's a little towns out in the country along South Illinois have some really, really good baseball players going through the golden age. So I'm talking the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. If you've ever heard of Whitey Herzog, you know what I'm talking about. He's from a small town in downstate Illinois. So we get to the clinic. I'm a coach in the building at the time, so I've got pretty good access. And we're in there. He Nick's following along behind me. Go up to the um, clinician organizers, get them all registered and all that. And the guy notices Nick does not have a glove with him. Yes, Nick went to the baseball clinic and didn't bring his glove. That was going to be a problem, right? You can't do very much at a baseball clinic if you don't have a baseball glove. And I said, well, I'll just go home and get it. And I didn't get to finish the sentence, but we live right across the street from the high school. So going home to get the baseball glove, not that big of a deal. An elderly gentleman there at the registration table jumped in. He says, oh, I've got an extra glove. I'll let you use mine. He reaches into his bag and he pulls out a glove. And it's kind of funny looking. It looks more like a mitt, like something you'd wear when it was cold outside. He goes on to tell us the background of this glove. This gentleman, who was from New Athens, Illinois, pitched in the major leagues for the Chicago Cubs. This glove he wore on the mound, pitching for the Chicago Cubs in a World Series game in the 1940s. Now, the Cubs went that entire century without winning a World Series, but they did play in some World Series 
only to be bashed about by whoever they're playing against. And we love to make fun of that one. But anyway, back to the story. So this glove that this guy was going to let Nick use, think about the value of that important piece of baseball memorabilia. Nick had the opportunity to use a glove. Now it was 60 years old at the time that had been used on the mound in a World Series game those 60 years ago. The gentleman handed Nick the glove, and you could tell on his face right away he was having none of this. It did fit. It was kind of one-size-fits-all thing. But like I said, it looked like a big mitten, such that you would wear outside when it was cold. And Nick just turned his nose up at it and could not see himself wearing this. And the gentleman wasn't put off. I think he probably expected that kind of reaction because it really wasn't much of a baseball glove. And uh, we gave it back to him. And, of course, I pressed Nick. You sure you don't want to wear this? This is amazing. This is a baseball glove that was on the mound at the World Series. I'll wear it. I'll, I'll, I'll play catch with somebody. Anybody, please. I want to wear this glove. Well, we gave it back to the gentleman, and I went just across the street to get Nick's glove and came back. But we've talked about that a lot over the years. When you're 10 years old and somebody gives you a piece of baseball memorabilia, you don't look at it as such. You really look at it as, this is the glove I'm going to catch a baseball with. This is never going to work. It's gonna, my hand's going to hurt. I don't think I can use this glove. For me, it was exciting. Baseball memorabilia, really significant. I would use that glove in a drop of a hat. Nick's 10. I'm probably 45 or so in my 40s. Big difference in life experiences. Big difference in perspective. Wants and needs as I alluded to a little bit earlier. Fast forward a few years till Nick's 15, 20, now he's 27. We've talked about this experience a few times over the years, and his perspective has changed. I think at this point, if he could go back in time, which of course you can't, he would have used that glove at least for a little while just to play catch with it so he could say he did it. That's what I mean by our perspective changes through life experiences. As we get older, the things that we value, the things that we want, and probably the things that we need do change. As a 27-year-old, Nick would happily play catch, at least, with that glove. As a 10-year-old, he wanted no part of it. To me, there's a couple of points with that story. There's the rough part that the painful reality of life that that was an opportunity missed for him. There is no going back. He can't redo that experience. And I guess that's really no big deal because life just went on fine anyway. But if I extrapolate that experience out over an entire lifetime, how many opportunities do we miss because our life experience hasn't matured enough for us to realize how to take advantage of opportunities like this? I guess that's what's on my mind opportunities. Just because we're old doesn't mean we'll stop getting those chances. Folks, make up your mind to not let that happen to you. Take those chances and, as I am prone to saying, always live boldly.
Well, the old man's tip this week, I, I guess it's really not a tip, like this is something you don't already know, but I'm just going to refresh our memories on this. And it's about communication, specifically clarity in communication. You see, I recently witnessed an experience of two individuals who thought they were communicating clearly with each other and they weren't. And it didn't get ugly, but it became an inconvenience for the both of them. Let me tell you that story real quick. So the two people were trying to set up an appointment and I wasn't a middleman in this. I was just watching it happen. And I heard one say to the other, what I thought was, I'll meet with you X day when I get done doing Y. And I felt like the other person understood that. Well, the other person must have said something that I didn't hear that had a time stamp directed towards it. She felt like this appointment was going to happen on this day at 11 o'clock. The first fella, he didn't feel like there was a time attached to it. It was just, I'll be there when I get done. I'll come by. Everything's fine. So each one of them had in their minds, rock solid, a different version of what was going to happen. And of course, it all came to pieces. The appointment didn't happen. Feelings were hurt. People were upset. They smoothed it all over and everything's good now. But that doesn't sound crazy, right? You've experienced that sort of thing before. I'm sure you have. In my life, I have. I am frequently confronted with situations where I swear I've told someone something and then the actions that they take clearly demonstrate that either they weren't listening or probably more likely I did not tell them what I thought I told them. They didn't hear what I said or I didn't say what I think I said. I've got a hilarious story about when this happened back on 20 years ago in the late 90s, coaching-wise, we're at the state tournament, and there's a term coaches, wrestling coaches use called the bubble. The bubble is the round, whereas if your wrestler loses, tournament's over, he's done, he scores no more points, he gets no more medals, nothing like that. If he wins this bubble match, he's going to continue to advance, he's going to get a medal, and he's going to continue to score team points if he continues to win matches. So being on the bubble... You want those guys to win. So all the coaches are together, and I'm thinking in my head, at the time I probably had 10 or 12 qualifiers, so there's a long list of guys, and many of them are on this bubble. So I say out loud, I think I say, let's count up how many guys we have on the bubble. And I start the lower weight class, naming names as I work up to the heavyweight. When I get done with the heavyweight, I say, so how many is that? And the guys all look at me, the other coaches, and they're going, what do you mean? How many what? How many guys in the bubble? Well, Vogel, Tim Vogel, starts screaming at me. You're, I didn't know I was supposed to be counting. You didn't tell me to count. Well, how, how many guys are in the bubble? You didn't tell me to count that. Well, in my mind, I thought, I felt very strongly that I had said, how, we're going to count how many guys are in the bubble. Went through the lineup. Nobody had an answer for me. So we started all over again. We got a laugh and a chuckle out of it. But it's really stuck with me now for more than 20 years how I, I can't be the only one, right, that thinks I'm saying something and the people I'm saying it to hear something else.
I can't be the only one. I know, I know I'm not. In fact, I know that in the Army, I've never been in the Army, but I kind of know how it works from talking to people that have been. In the Army, when an officer gives an order, the person he's giving the order to repeats it back to them. That way the officer knows that he has been clear in his communication. Doesn't mean the order is going to be carried out exactly how he wanted, but at least in terms of hearing it, the person that he gave the order to has clearly heard it. You see, just asking, do you understand when you're talking to somebody? That's not good enough. Because the answer to do you understand is always going to be yes, even if they don't understand what you said. I mean, they don't know they don't understand. They think they understand, but when they get done doing this task, it's likely it doesn't get carried out exactly how you wanted it because they didn't understand what you were saying. They understand what they're hearing. They don't understand what you're saying. You see the difference there? Now, I've been trying to do that in my life with other people. The part about having them repeat back so I'm sure that they understand. I guess the more important the task is, the more important the subject that I'm discussing with them is, the more likely I am to try to get them to repeat it back. Now, you want to do it without sounding condescending. Because if you ask somebody to repeat what it is you just said, it's like calling them stupid, right? And I don't want that. So it's kind of hard to do. But whenever you can do that and get a person in conversation to repeat what you just said, you'll be sure that at least they heard what it is that you said. You have to be creative because, again, you don't want that person to think that you think they're stupid. The one way to do it, I've found, is to make it sound like you're asking their opinion. So you get done with the instructions and you say, do you think that'll work? What do you think about that? Uh, to get that conversation rolling to where they can pretty much repeat what it is you want them to do. There certainly is value in it. Clarity of communication is all wrapped up in both speaking and listening. We have to be good at both, right? I guess it's continued improvement by us. You know, as we get older through our lives, communicating clearly is something that we can all get better at. All right, people, gather around. Coach has got a pep talk for you. For this week's pep talk, I have a quote that I want to use from a real quotable source, Helen Keller. This is one thing that she said that I really like. Alone, we can do so little. Together, we can do so much. A simple statement by Helen Keller but it really means a lot. Human history is filled with examples of teamwork achieving remarkable things, of people doing more together than they ever could have done apart. Helen Keller, for example, needed Ann Sullivan. That was her teacher. And together, the both of them did some pretty remarkable things. I don't need to talk about that story. You know the story. And if you don't, well... Do some research because it's an interesting story. How about you? Are you a team player? I just talked about the continued life improvement of being a better communicator, how important that is. 
What will you do now with all that newfound power that you can obtain through being an effective communicator? Big things, good things, I hope. Be a leader. And when it's time to be a follower, do that as well. Be good at both. I've talked a lot about leadership characteristics and how important it is to surround yourself with like-minded people. I mean, that's rule number one in leadership, right? Once you have your team, really work on effective, clear communication. That's the theme for this week's podcast, Clarity in Communication. And that's true if you're not the leader. Maybe it's even more important if you're not the leader to be clear in your communication, to make sure that you provide that leader with all the tools that he or she may need. I'm saying take a lesson from this old man's tip. Make sure that you are clearly understanding as a follower, as part of a team, what your task is. Never be afraid to ask questions. Good leaders want questions. Even ask questions when you believe you are clear. Because as I have learned, you may think you are clear, but you really aren't. Alone, it's kind of a sad and certainly a less productive than being part of a team, but together we could do so much. So together we should charge ahead, doing so much more. Yay! Okay, thanks for waiting for it. Here we go. Engage your brain. We're going to play trivia. I know a lot of you really look forward to that. But don't forget what we're doing here, trying to remind you that engaging your brain is something you need to do every day. So don't forget, don't just sit on a couch watching TV. Get out there, do things, do things that make you think. Engage your brain. I have five trivia questions, as I usually do, and this is a varied subject matter. First one. Kind of a pop culture, I guess. Do you know the name who launched eBay? By the way, eBay was launched in 1995. Seems like just the other day, but that was a while ago. What was that fella's name? I can't say his last name. It's Pierre Amidar. I'll spell it. O-M-I-D-Y-A-R. Pierre, whatever that spells, something likely Amidar, is the guy that launched eBay back in 1995. Okay, so I came out of shoot pretty tough. You may not have gotten that. Let's keep going. I'm sure you can get some of these other ones. What is the name of the biggest technology company in South Korea? I'm actually using one of their phones right now to do this podcast. The answer is Samsung. Samsung is the biggest technology company in South Korea. If you're a car person, You might like this. Craig, go out into the garage right now and check out your Porsche. What is the animal that is on your Porsche, the logo? What animal can be seen on the Porsche logo? That answer is, rearing up, it's a horse. I'm not sure what kind of horse it is. I don't even know if it's specific. It might just be general. But the Porsche logo is a horse. All right, a little history. This one, if you think about it logically, you can figure it out. The monarch, and I'll give you a hint, English monarch, the British monarch who officially made Valentine's Day a holiday. 
that year, by the way, was 1537. Giving you a lot of hints. You should be able to get this one. The monarch that officially made Valentine's Day a holiday in 1537. And I don't know which wife it was. He had beheaded several of them beforehand, but that's Henry VIII. Henry VIII created Valentine's Day. I guess he was quite the um, romantic, wasn't he? All right, last question. This one's super hard. Go on out. If you've gotten all four right and you can get five today, you qualify as genius in my book. The first dictionary. Who wrote the first dictionary? I'm going to say really boring guy wrote the first dictionary because how exciting would that be, writing a dictionary? But he did. His name was Robert Caudry. Robert Caudry wrote the first dictionary. There you go. Hey, I wasn't easy on you. Don't forget, though, engage your brain every day. Okay, here's my favorite segment. A funny thing happened. In this segment, I tell stories about funny things that I see, funny things that have happened to me. Just and funny, not like ha-ha funny. Funny like sometimes it's strange. It could be ha-ha sometimes, but other times it's strange. Well, this one's a strange experience that I've witnessed, and probably a lot of you have too. If you watch college football on Saturdays, as I do, religiously every chance I get, Every Saturday, there's games on Fox. Now, not Fox Sports, but Fox Regular, Fox Network. I have noticed that college football on Fox, the network, the sound is atrocious. You cannot hear the announcers. I don't know if they're any good or not. I don't even know who they are. You can't hear them. It's as if somebody's hanging the microphones out the booth there that the announcers sit in. And uh, you can hear all the crowd noise. You can hear the crowd. It drowns out everything. And it's as if the announcers are yelling out the booth to get picked up on the microphone. It's outside of the booth. You can't hear a thing. I have no idea what's going on there. In my mind, I imagine somebody did some kind of setting last year when it was COVID and you didn't have crowds and they wanted it to sound like a football game. So they rewired or recalibrated the microphone system so the outside mics were at a higher power than the than the booth mics so that you could hear the crowd and not just the people talking in the booth well if that happened or something like that happened somebody forgot to change it because all you can hear when you're watching college football on fox is the crowd you cannot hear the announcers back me up on this i've asked a few other people because it just might be my old man hearing and other people have agreed the sounding on the Fox Network, not Fox Sports, Fox Network, is horrible. If you don't like college football, turn it on. See if I'm crazy. I'd love to hear what you have to say about it if you're also annoyed by this. You guys know how to leave me tips and yell at me and give me ideas. Use the old man's email at yahoo.com. That's a great one. Or if you're on the Anchor app, and only about 10% of you are, check my analytics. You can leave a voicemail on the Anchor app, but a lot of people think email is just easier. That was the old man's email at yahoo.com. Chime in on the atrociousness, if that's a word, of sound on college football. 
played on the Fox Network, not Fox Sports Network, the Fox Regular Network. Or just give me ideas, throw things at me verbally, not you know, metaphorically there, right? Don't actually literally throw things at me, but give me some ideas because I want listener input. It, it helps with the show. Well, let me hear from you, okay? the sound that signifies this episode is over this old man's gotta go hey i appreciate you being here with me if you're a new listener please come back if you're an experienced listener please pass this on other people need to know let the world know where they get their information where can they get their entertainment simple it's the old man's podcast if you're a facebooker look up the old man's podcast facebook page like it and interact with it. Post on the Old Man's Podcast Facebook page. I'd like to hear from you. That's one good way of doing it. I just talked about that, and I forgot to tell you, you can use the Old Man's Podcast page on Facebook. So that'd be great. Be somebody that does that. Well, enough yammering. Let's get moving. Hey, guys, be safe out there, okay? I want to see you next week again. And remember, be bold in all that you do. Get off my grass! Damn kids.